You put it in there, right? Yeah, they got it. All right, well, we go ahead, kick, go ahead, kick it off. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to hit the thing, and let me know when we live. And we live right now. All right, so we good then. All right, so you know how we do. Yeah, it's in there. So we're gonna let the room um, pile up for a second there. Um, hey, everybody, day going today. How, how you doing, Dr. Kern? How you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Oh, just sitting back and enjoying, enjoying um, the moment. Glad to have a, a person that actually deals with vaccines, biologists, somebody that's working in the field. So, um, yeah, that's important. Somebody that's published. You know, that's kind of important for me. That's our thing around here. We say source up or shut up. <laughs> a lot of conversation. So, yeah, give us a couple seconds that the people come in the room. And we're about to get this started. This started. What's going on, Mr. Kent? What's up, man? Man, another day, another dollar. Glad to be here, man, with y'all. Some of the smartest cats I know. Glad to, to have Miss Karen Kotloff as a guest. Mm, that's doctor, man. Doctor, I'm sorry. Put some respect I'm, on that name, man. Doctor, we respect doctor, the doctors doctor. around here, man. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. Good night. Good, good evening to everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, give it one more second. Let a couple people come in. We see who we got in the chat room. All right, I see you, Mr. Wright. Pseudo killers on deck. What's up, Jelanda? How you doing? I see you. I Peace see you. Um, sister Jelanda. Peace out there to, to the sis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she stayed doing what she's supposed to do. Appreciate that work. Anusha, how you doing, sis? Glad to have you in the building, moderating. I see y'all. Okay. All right. So I know you only got like an hour, and we probably didn't chopped into that, right? So today's <laughs> show. Y'all already know what it is, family. So look, Black African Power was good, was happening. A well-organized lie defeats a disorganized truth every time. Woohoo, we man, y'all already know what it is, man. It's the pseudo killers on deck. We come to do what we got to do, and we're gonna do what we got to do. We standing tall, we standing strong. Hey, pseudo killers on deck. What's good, Concrete Corey? How you doing, man? What to do? What to do? What to do? Peace, peace, man. Here to, you know, get some good information out there and clear up any misinformation that's out there as far as uh, uh, vaccines and, and viruses. Hopefully uh, we all learn something today. And, and I just want to let everybody know that a lie will make it halfway around the world before the truth get up and get out, get his pants on. Uh, uh, uh. You know it is. Hey, Truth Ministries, what's up with you, man? Be more in effect, man. Official pseudo killer. What's up, brother? What's going on, bro? What's going on, bro? Just happy to be here today. Happy to have an actual person that actually works in the field. We appreciate you more than you actually know. You know what I mean? Because it's a real problem going on in our community with uh, the misinformation. And that's why we having you here so you can try to clear some of it up for us. Mm -hmm. Hey, Kent, man. Clark Kent. What's good, man? What it do? What it do, brother? What's up, man? Ready to learn, man. Like I said, glad to have a doctor on board with us today. Gonna be a good one, man. Appreciate it's you, man. Gonna be, good gonna be a good one. Hey, Chef Anel, man. What's up with you, man? B Moore's favorite. What's up with you, Chef? Hey, 
Chef, I think he's trying to get his sound together right now. Oh, is he? Well, man, he missed it. Well, let me introduce Dr. Kern. Call off. How you doing, Doc? How you feeling? Um, glad to have you on today. Well, thank you. It's really my pleasure to be here. Um, I'm, I'm so um, honored to be asked to join this program. And what I hope to be able to do is just tell you a little bit about what I know about vaccines and how the COVID vaccines were developed and then give people an opportunity just to ask questions. Uh, any question is a good question as far as I'm concerned. So I'm looking forward to having a great conversation. So I actually appreciate this. Um, I know you like a lead author on a paper uh, that's published in The Lancet. I know you also published some works in PLAS, Neglected Diseases. And like I told you earlier, uh, the guy that actually set that up, the doctor set that up, um, is one of my favorite, uh, Peter Hotez. Uh, vaccines did not cause racial autism. And so it's important to have people that's published because we talk about journals all the time. Uh, so, you know, like, we really appreciate you being here. Uh, you work at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. And based off my studies, you do a lot of work in Africa. And most people don't know that the leading, the second leading cause causes of death, right, abroad, specifically in third world countries, is diarrhea. And so I know y'all do that work on that. So, you know, I'm gonna let you get in. I know you said you're gonna have a little slideshow. Maybe you talk about the work you do in Africa and we can get it in. Okay, that sounds great. All right, now you're gonna have to be patient with me. I am, oh, it says host disabled participant screen sharing. Yep. Gotta go ahead and look, give it a, a, a chef. You got a little screen share. You the host, uh, uh, you the host now. Oh, he just switched it over like that, ain't Okay, wow. Man. I don't know why you did that, chef. Let me see. Why did he do that? Chef, you got to take that back. I can't do that right here. I had to do that all the way in the... Let me see. So yeah, you got to... Chef is the host now. He's the yes. host. Okay, go ahead, Chef. Switch it. Give it to so she can screen share. Done. It's done. Okay. Yep. There you okay. go, doctor. Let me find... I think... Here we go. Get to the top. Yeah, we see you. You see it? Yep. Okay, here we go. So I have actually been doing um, work on preventing infections with vaccines. Um, since before a lot of you were even born, I would say it's been over, over well over 30 years now. Um, and um, as Kent said, for the, for the last, um, since, since about 2001, I've been doing most of my work in Africa. Um, but then when COVID hit and I couldn't travel, um, I started running some of the COVID vaccine studies here. So um, that's what I've been doing. And I just want to share my experience with you, give you, show you some slides about how the COVID vaccines are developed and what the safety 
profile is like and how well they work and then give you an opportunity to ask some questions. So um, we'll start um, here. Um, it's hard to talk about COVID without just appreciating what it's done to our lives and our world. So this information is as of December 30th, 2020. There have been 80 million cases of COVID in the world and over 1.7 million deaths. And you know, you miss a couple days and it just keeps growing. And what these little graphs here on the bottom show is the number of cases per day since March and the number of deaths per day since March. And you just see that every day uh, these numbers continue to increase. And now that you've probably heard, we have this strain that's circulating in a lot of countries that is very contagious. I think that we're going to see this situation getting worse before it gets better. So this is what the United States looks like um, as of, whoops, as of the end of the year. And um, this is the number of new cases each day. So people talk about waves. This was the first wave uh, in the, um, you know, January to May. And then there was another bump during the summer, which is unusual for um, a coronavirus or respiratory virus. It's usually winter time. But then when winter came, this third wave is just huge. And right now we're seeing over 300,000 um, deaths and um, about 20 million cases in the United States. And at this point, um, we have more than two deaths in this country per minute from COVID. So this is why we need a vaccine because this has to stop. It's just not, it's not okay, as we all know. I think it's also important to appreciate who has the greatest need for vaccines. And if you look at this table here, these are, this is age and years. So 65 to 74 years, 75 to 84, 85 and above. And it compares the number of deaths or the risk of death to young adults, 18 to 29. And you can see with each decade, the risk of hospitalization and death increases very, um, very substantially. So increasing age, and it really starts at about 50, is a big risk factor for severe disease. People who have underlying health conditions, and these are um, the conditions that we've all heard about, including smoking, diabetes, pregnancy, obesity, uh, lung disease, kidney disease, cancer, heart disease, all increase your risk of severe disease. And this is a little bit of a busy slide, but what this shows is in each row, these are cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. And it shows that um, ethnic and racial minorities are at increased risk of both catching COVID and having more severe disease. And um, you can see this is American Indian, these are Asian, this is Black African American, and these are Hispanic and Latinos. So um, compared to Caucasians, um, the risk is higher in minority groups. 
And so most scientists believe that vaccines that produce widespread immunity are likely to interrupt the ability of coronavirus to spread from one person to the next and to harm our population and the people that we love. So how are vaccines developed? I think it's good to understand that um, because uh, for me, um, the fact that it is such a standardized process um, and tells me that, that steps haven't been skipped in developing this vaccine. So for any vaccine, the first thing we do um, is get an idea for a vaccine and then test it in the lab and with animals and see if it's likely to be safe and um, protect um, the animals from the um, infection that we're interested in studying. So it's not a perfect predictor of humans, but it's a good enough predictor for humans and it's the best we have. So then once we do that, then we go into phase one studies and phase one are small studies, see just a couple people. So it's small numbers, they're healthy adults. So that way, if there's a reaction, they could tolerate it the best. And the big question we're asking is, is this safe? And also, does it give immune responses in our blood that's likely to protect us from the real infection? And then in phase two, we give the vaccine more to more people, larger number, and it's closer to the target population. So we'll include older people and we'll include people with underlying medical conditions. And again, what's most important is safety. We also look at the immune response. We'll try out different doses to see which looks best and different schedules. Is it best to give it three weeks apart or two months apart? And those kinds of things are looked at. And then phase three is what you're hearing a lot about now, and that's large groups of people. So the COVID vaccine trials are at least 30,000 people in most instances. And we test it in the target population because we want the vaccine to work in the people who are most susceptible. And the main question that we ask is, does it prevent disease? So people say, can the vaccine cause disease? No, there's enough disease in the community that we do these studies by vaccinating a group of people and giving what we call placebo or salt water to a group of people. And then they go about their daily lives and many of them will contract COVID. And we look to see whether those who were vaccinated are protected and they don't get COVID, but the placebo, the people who got placebo do. And we wanna know if the vaccines make the disease less severe. And we're also still following safety very closely. So people say, well, normally I heard it takes 15 to 20 years to develop a vaccine you go through. Um, you know, the, the animal studies, then phase one, phase two, phase three, and then finally licensure. And then once a vaccine gets into the later phases, then the companies will feel like they've, they, it's safe to start manufacturing. They don't want to do that at risk before they know if it's going to be a go with the vaccine. So they wait. Well, why is it that we could develop COVID vaccines in 12 to 18 months? It's because we we did stuff at the same time. And most importantly, we started manufacturing the vaccine. That's what the government put you know, billions of dollars into with Operation Warp Speed to get the companies to start manufacturing the vaccine at 
risk before we went through phase one, two, and three and knew if it was a go. And so by the time we got the phase one, two, three data, uh, they, they're ready to do large scale manufacturing and start rolling it out. So that's the main reason we got to go um, so fast. So now I'll tell you a little bit about um, the vaccines. This is the devil. This is the coronavirus. And it does make life a little easy for us because it's got these spikes on its surface. And these spikes are what the virus uses like a lock and key. If the key is the spikes, the spikes are inserted into our cells. So the, um, the hole in the lock is um, the receptor or where the spikes, how those spikes attach to our cells and then enter it and give us infection. And so if you can prevent that from happening, so that key can't go in the lock because you have immunity that, that coats the spike protein, then if you get the real infection, you'll be protected. So all of the vaccines that are being tested have one form of this, just the spike protein in one form or another, not the whole virus. So there's no living virus to give you infection. It's just the spike protein. And many of them use, this is the gene here say, um, that makes the spike protein. And they take advantage of that because we're so sophisticated with genetics now. So to tell you a little bit more, if this is the vaccine and um, this is the real coronavirus, you take the little genetic code um, when you make these messenger RNA vaccines like the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, you just take that code and here it is and put it in a little envelope of fats called lipids. And um, then you inject this, this is the vaccine, just a little genetic code um, and the lipid. And then this vaccine enters our cells and our cells do the manufacturing. We don't need a manufacturing plant. Our cells make the spike protein and then our body sees that and makes immunity. And so if we're ever exposed to the actual infection, we have immunity. So this is just another look at it. Here's the vaccine with a little bit of genetic code. It gets injected into our our arm, it goes into our muscle cell. Our muscle cells then make the spike protein and then our body makes immunity to that so that we're then protected if we ever see the real virus. And this is just a look at what the protection looks like. So this is the virus with its spike and these are our antibodies and the antibodies coat each of the little spikes so they can't get into our cells. So we kind of fool our bodies into thinking we have the real infection, our body makes antibodies. And then when the real infection comes along, we're protected. Um, so this is just kind of how it works. The antibodies prevent the, the key from going into the lock. So um, right now there are, ah, my computer has a mind of its own. Um, there are six vaccines that are in development um, in this country. Two are messenger RNA, and I showed you how they work, and that's Moderna and Pfizer. And they've gone through phase one, two, and three, and so they've been um, already in, in um, so half of these people got placebo. So say they've already been in about 30,000 people 
um, total. And so we know a lot about safety and how well it works and enough that um, the FDA gave emergency use authorization to start handing it out to people or EUA. These are the other vaccines that um, are in development. I won't talk too much about them. There are the viral vectors. So they take cold viruses that aren't, aren't able to make us sick. They put a little bit of that genetic code for the spike protein in those viruses. They inject the um, virus and then um, the virus starts making spike protein once it's in our cells and we get immunized. And we should hear how well these two vaccines, one is AstraZeneca, one's Janssen, we'll hear about how well they work in early 2021. And then there's two protein subunit vaccines and the um, Sanofi hasn't started yet. The Novavax study started on December 28th and we're actually also, we tested the Moderna vaccine and um, now we just started the Novavax vaccine trial. And what that consists of is just the spike protein. So that gets injected um, in a little bit of a, a, a fat envelope and um, our body sees it and makes antibody to it. So um, that's, that's the, the buffet of vaccines that we have that are coming to us. And why do we have so many vaccines? Well, the thought is that you need to take a lot of shots at the goal to make a goal. And so if, if one type of vaccine doesn't work, then you have another vaccine in the works. And so maybe that one will work. So that's one reason to have a bunch of vaccines. And the second is that we need to immunize the world. And so um, one company cannot make enough vaccine to treat, to vaccinate that many people. So let's talk about the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA, messenger RNA vaccines, because they're the ones now that are being handed out. And so what kind of side effects can you get? Well, um, in, in the study that was um, done with one was 30,000 and one was 74,000 people and half in each study got the vaccine, the other half got placebo. And when they, when they took a look at the results, they found that there were some reactions that people got. The most common um, local reaction at the site of injection is pain. And most people got a sore arm. Um, and then it was unusual to get the other things that are common like redness or swelling of the arm. That occurred less than one in 10 people. Most people rated their pain um, or their, their reactions as mild or moderate. So fewer than 1% said they were severe. It usually lasted about one to two days. It was more common in younger adults and it, it didn't increase after the second dose. So they had about the same response to both doses. Um, what are the general side effects? So general side effects that you also look at are things like fever, headache, chills, uh, fatigue, feeling tired, body aches, uh, diarrhea, things like that. So um, what was seen there? Well, again, um, younger adults tend to get more reactions than older adults. For these types of reactions, you had them more after you got the second dose than the first dose. And, um, but most resolved very quickly in a day or two. The most common were 
fatigue, headache, and chills, and less common were the body aches, fever, and diarrhea. Severe symptoms were uncommon, except for fatigue. 4% of people said their fatigue was severe, and 2% said their headache was severe, and that was all after the second dose. Fever after the second dose was seen in 16% of the younger and 11% of the older. And there were enough participants who felt like the pain or fever um, was enough that they took some medication. And that was about, a, um, on average, about a quarter to um, a third in the older groups and a, and a quarter to a half of the younger groups. So you can just think about this for a minute and think, one, is that you've got to expect that when you get this vaccine, you might not feel very well for a day or two. When I asked the participants in the Moderna study, after they told me about these reactions, would they tell their friends and um, relatives to get the vaccine? And they said, well, maybe when I was going through that, no, but now absolutely yes, because it's a lot better than getting COVID. So you have to be prepared that you might not feel well for a day or two. The other thing that you can see, you know, a lot of people say, I got the flu vaccine and it gave me the flu. Well, if you get symptoms like this, you might think you have the flu, but there's no way you have the flu because you're not given the flu virus and same with this. So it's just some reactions. It's the price to pay for your body kind of seeing this foreign um, protein and trying to make immunity and get rid of it. So it's kind of an inflammatory response and it makes you feel a little sick. So that's, that's the downside. Um, and this is, this is what is driving us. And that is that um, both vaccines protected, um, reduced the risk of getting ill with COVID by 95%. So if 100% of the placebos um, had been, um, and, uh, so let's say 100% of placebos got sick. Um, in the, in the um, vaccines, only 5% um, of people who got vaccines would get sick. So it prevents um, illness in almost everybody. And that's similar in all the age groups, in men and women, and in all the race and ethnicity groups. And it's very important to us that we test the vaccine in a diverse population because we wanna know that everybody's protected. And if there are differences that we can't anticipate, this is what tells us that the vaccine is broadly effective and highly effective. In, it was also highly effective against severe disease. So for example, Moderna was 100% and um, uh, Pfizer was about 90 95%. So do we know everything that we need to know about these vaccines? No, we don't. And we can't help that because we just learned about COVID. COVID emerged a year ago, and we only started testing vaccines um, in the late spring, and we did the, the phase three trials um, starting in about um, June or July. So we haven't had enough time to know everything. 
So we don't know whether this, the safety and protection lasts more than three to four months after the second dose, because we haven't had a chance to be able to see that. But we do know that most of the time when you have reactions from vaccines, they occur quickly. So that gives us a lot of assurance that the vaccine, um, that the problems we've seen are the problems um, that are likely to occur, but there could be very rare um, events that happened that the you know 30,000 people weren't enough to tell us about. Um, we don't know if the vaccine prevents um, asymptomatic infection. And so what we don't know is that even though you don't get sick, could you still um, have the virus in your nose and mouth and pass it to others? We don't know that. We know it protects individuals. We don't know yet if it protects spread in a community. So we need to get everybody vaccinated to protect everybody individually or close to it. The, the studies in children and pregnant women and people with weak immunity haven't started, but they will. And we hope that, um, that we can get a more stable vaccine so it doesn't require so much cold for storage. And the reason is it's kind of good news and bad news. The messenger RNA gets degraded very quickly in our, in our body and outside of our body. And that's why it's in the lipid envelope. And that's why when it's outside of our body, it's in the cold. So that means that it can't get incorporated into your genes and it doesn't hang around for a long time, but it means that we still have to treat it very carefully until the companies have had a chance to, to work on getting more stable vaccine. The other thing that we all need to work on, what this shows is that um, about half of the country um, in all kinds of different groups are worried about getting the vaccine. And they say that maybe um, they are not very likely or absolutely won't get the vaccine. That number is decreasing, absolutely. But it's important to us that we build trust so that people feel comfortable getting these vaccines and will protect themselves. So what's next? Um, well, we, we um, need to know for the studies that are going on now, um, how well those vaccines work. So we get a lot of kicks on the goal. Um, and um, we need uh, vaccine confidence and communication so people understand what the vaccine's about um, and um, you heard um, how truth sometimes has, you know, isn't the winner in a fight with rumors. Um, and so we try to get the scientific information out there. We need to learn about long-term safety and pregnant women. If you are interested in participating in a study, um, at University of Maryland, where can, we're testing the Novavax vaccine that just started last week. Um, and that's just the protein itself, the spike protein. So I'm happy to take questions now. Thanks. Okay. All right. That was an excellent presentation right there. Very Thank simplistic you. and straight to the point, And I appreciate that. So I know for me, my first question is this. Um, so we actually stream into the black community and the question in the black community is why should we trust Europeans with any type of medicine given the history that we've been through it's a very complicated situation 
say the least. So my question to you is, how can we trust that y'all just not trying to injure us or hurt us or do any harm to us based off of the history? Can you answer that, please? I can try to answer that. So these vaccines came out in a um, period of our lives where there was social and political instability and there was confusion sometimes between truth and, and not truth. Um, and I think it's really understandable, you know, politics and health got mixed up, which usually those two should stay far apart. Um, and so I think it's, it's very understandable that there are a lot of questions about trust. And, you know, I guess I see it's a two-way street. Um, the people who are giving the message need to be trustworthy. And the people who are accepting the message need to understand when they feel comfortable um, to trust. And you can take that history into consideration and you can also look at what's happening here and now. I can show you, I think I still have my Band-Aid. I just got my vaccine tonight. There's my Band-Aid. So okay. if that, I don't know if you can see it, the lights are bright in my I was gonna house. ask that question, you take it. <laughs> I took it. I took it as soon as I could take it. I took, I got my first dose of the Moderna vaccine tonight. Doesn't hurt yet. Um, and so I think that you can watch, you know, it's the, the um, government has prioritized because there's not enough vaccine to vaccinate everybody. So they say, okay, we think older people because they're most at risk of dying and healthcare workers because they got to be, available to treat everybody who gets sick. They're number one. And so they are rushing um, in, in large numbers to get vaccinated. And you can watch that and see um, what people do who um, are very close to the field um, and you know think about it and read about it and, and teach themselves about it. That's their job. So you can watch that. Um, you can look at people you trust in the community. Um, there are people who um, have participated in studies and, and stood up and said, I did it. I did it, you know, to protect myself. I did it hoping that it will provide a vaccine that protects people that I love. Um, and, you and you can listen to what people say and, and you're the best judge of whether you feel like you can trust what they're saying. Um, and that's that's kind of the best you can do, I think. Oh, I, I appreciate that answer. Around here in these parts, we understand that that, that there is no uh, European science. It's just science, and that's the way we get the truth. Well, you at truth? You got a question for the doctor? Uh, I had one real quick. Uh, uh, hey, 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 Corey, let me let, let me ask mine first. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, I want uh, I want I want to. Uh, question to be more clear um, because of our audience, all right? What, what he was, what, what he want to uh, answer to, and it might sound ridiculous, right? But we, when we're arguing with, with our people, we're arguing against a sentiment that, um, 
the medical community has been partial in their treatment towards African Americans. Um, the, the, the main thing that comes up is the Tuskegee experiment and um, things like medical uh, book uh, was written, medical apartheid. And a lot of people got their hands on that. And they heard about the Tuskegee um, experiment. And they feel like um, that are they experimenting on us? Like uh, things like that. So we can't answer that. We, we look at it like, yo, we're going to trust our doctors. But so we're looking at it like if we can get somebody from the other community, that's a professional. Maybe it'll feel better if, she, if they answer it for you. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the question that he was asking. So, um, Chef, if I understand um, what you're asking, I think that, I mean, one reaction that I have is don't punish yourself for the sins of others. So these things happened. Um, and they are horrible things. And the world has changed, not to the extent that we want it to, but there are many, many um, safeguards in place so that something like Tuskegee could never happen again. You know, we have, we have ethics committees that review every single thing we say and do to a participant in a study. Good point. Um, and there are, are guidelines and training and oversight. And so there's a lot in place that um, can prevent that from happening again. And because there were people who did that, um, you know, the idea to me that that would keep you from getting a vaccine that could help you, um, would be, you know, it, it, tragic, you know, assuming that you believe that these vaccines um, work very, very well, better than anybody ever expected, that there's never an absolute 100% guarantee that anything you do is completely risk-free, but that your risk is the same as everybody else's risk. And that's why we all were in these trials together. Um, you know, there are minorities, there are, I mean, 40% of the participants in our trial were healthcare workers. Um, so we're all in this together and we're trying to fight our way out of it using vaccines. And you have to decide um, if you believe that. Thank you. Who was going next? Truth or court? Yeah, I can, I can, I can. Ask. Matter of fact, now, now I go ahead and ask my question real quick. I have a number of questions, so, but I'm gonna just ask this one real quick because this is another thing that's going around the community. Um, are there any type of herbs or some type of um, natural remedy that we can take instead of the vaccine that will either prevent us from getting the virus or, if we have the virus, actually cure it? There's nothing, there have been almost no studies to look at that. Um, but um, there's, there has been, has not been any um, natural remedy that I'm aware of 
that would be effective in either preventing it or treating it. Okay. Good question, right. Truth. Concrete court. Yeah. I just, I wanted to ask about, um, so it's, I, I've been noticing that um, it's been a lot of vaccine hesitancy in the, um, in, in the, in the professional field, like the medical community. I see even like nurses and stuff. And I just wanted to know, like, first of all, have you, have you noticed that? And Second of all, like, where does that come from? I mean, I, I, I don't understand. That's something that I just really can't grasp myself, you know, if you can kind of, maybe you don't have an answer for that, but if you can kind of elaborate on that for me. It's, no, it's true. And I, so I've been asked to speak like, you know, in doctor's practices where they're worried because a lot of their staff is nervous. And I think that, you know, they're people. I mean, I'm a pediatrician actually. so. I know that I can't go toe to toe with somebody's grandma because grandma is always going to be right. And grandma is always going to have her way. And the doctors and nurses have grandmas too. And so, you know, they're hearing that voice at the same time that they're, you know, figuring out who they can trust and who they can't trust. And I just think that they need to hear the same messages. Um, and make the decision for themselves. They should be reading. Um, they should find people who they trust, who are scientists, um, who can advise them and make, make the decisions. It's mm, a good point right there. Excellent point. Thank you. What do you add, Ken? Yeah, I was going to ask, um, so it kind of goes along with the herbs thing and, and you know people trying to boost their immunity. Uh, you have some people that that say they want to catch the virus naturally and let their immune system fight it instead of getting um, the vaccine and, and letting the vaccine fight it because they feel like their immune system, that's what it's there for is to, um, you know, get those antibodies, you know, built up. Um, what, do, what do you say to that um, as far as catching the virus uh, naturally or getting the vaccine and having your body already prepared for it? So the difference is that the vaccine gives you a piece of the virus that can't give you COVID. If you let yourself get the natural infection, you're taking the risk that, you know, it could make you really, really sick um, or it could kill you. And um, for me, that's an easy choice. Um, I, you know, I would much rather get a little bit of spike protein and have a sore arm and maybe even get a fever for a day or two than risk getting COVID. And, you know, we see young, healthy people who die from this. It's unusual, but it's a risk. And, um, you know, you, you just don't know how well you're going to be able to fight this off. And even, you know, colleagues of mine who have gotten infected, um, it is not a fun infection. You know, the, one of my friends said to me, it feels like an elephant is sitting on your chest and you can't breathe. Um, it's, it's a terrible feeling. Um, so that's, you can take that choice and weigh the risks and, uh, you know, see which way you want to go. Okay. All right. Will you ask CK? Oh, Mr. Turn. Oh, he's blinking. 
I miss a turn. Yeah, because you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, peace, peace. Peace to the panelists. Peace to the chat. Peace. Sorry, I'm like super duper late. <laughs> but yeah, uh glad you could come. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, we appreciate um you coming through, uh, Doctor. Um uh, we do have a decent amount of questions from the chat. Did anybody else that's on the panel still have some more questions before we got yeah, to the chat? Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'd rather do their questions because, you know, y'all. I know y'all will cover what we need to talk next. Okay, will you ask Sean? Melvin. Hey, what's going on, good people? How you going? Um, How you doing, brother? Pseudo Killer Official, what's up? Man, not too bad. Uh, I could be uh, a little bit better, so I do want to make a comment before I ask a question. Uh, <clears throat> the comment is, if you can't hear it in my voice, I currently have COVID-19. Um, I am doing fine. Uh, uh, I did, uh, again, I do have COVID-19. Currently doing fine. Just got a little cough. And I want to make that known to the audience who's asking about food sources and things of that nature. So I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat any meat. Uh, I do eat a few animal sources. I, I got all the herbs you could think of in the, in the, in the, uh, in the cabinet. But I do believe in medicine too. And so none of that saved me from catching the virus. So now let's get to it. Uh, my question to the doctor, uh, and I'm glad you're here on the panel, is um, many people in our community have been asking the question, well, HIV has been out for X amount of years. Why is it they were able to come up with a vaccine for COVID-19 and not a vaccine for HIV? So that's a really good question. And the answer is really that the coronavirus made vaccines easy to make because it just has that, you know, it's like a peacock. It's got that spike protein on its surface. And if you put that out of commission by making antibodies, it can't make you sick. And what HIV does is it gets inside your cells um, and it kills the cells that you need to make immunity. So it's, it's amazing how these viruses evolve to outsmart humans, but HIV is the master of that because it's very difficult to be able to get to the virus to make vaccines um, because it's hidden in your immune cells. And then also it changes frequently. So like flu, flu virus changes frequently and we need to have a, vac a new vaccine every year to keep up with that, which is really a pain to do. Um, but HIV does that changing at the same time that it's hiding. And it just has outsmarted people. Um, we've been able to do much better with treatment and you know almost use treatment as a vaccine because if you get people's viral load down um, it can protect um, those infected people from transmitting it to their um, their partners and then the other side of it is if you give people who aren't infected um, medicine it can prevent their infected partners from infecting them so we're almost using the treatments like a vaccine because we just haven't been smart enough to make the, the right vaccine for HIV. 
So I don't know if that answered, a, answered your question, but. Mm, it's a good answer. <laughs> it's a good answer. Beautiful answer. Thank you. Thanks, Malcolm. What do you ask, Chef? You said you got Sean's question, and then we're going to let CK. Oh, yeah. Sean was asking. Um... All right. Sean asked, <clears throat> will the MR, this, this is not his question, because Sean ain't this crazy, but this is some <laughs> of the stuff that people in the community be uh, lobbing at us. Like they be having us on our back foot all the time because they ask questions that, you know what I mean? Uh, but here you go. He say, will uh, mRNA vaccines alter one's DNA and potentially cause a genetic reaction in the future? Hmm. That's a really good question. So the answer to that is that our genes are inside of like a bubble in our cells called the nucleus and mRNA doesn't do its thing inside the nucleus. It never gets into where our genes are. So our genes, um, you know, send um, the code um, to the messenger RNA and then the messenger RNA makes the protein outside of the nucleus. And then it's so fragile that our enzymes chew it up and it doesn't hang out very long. So it doesn't get to where our genes are and it doesn't hang around for a long time. And um, it just doesn't have the ability to get into our genes and to um, change us in any way. Hmm. See, only a person that actually in the field could give you that sharp answer like that. That was a sharp answer right there. Okay, so CK, go ahead and uh, get some of those. Hey, uh, I got one. I got one more question, though. Oh. Please. Oh yeah, go ahead. Do your thing. I I just wanted because we got another. It's another like thing that I've been seeing in the community too. That's been kind of getting passed around. Not as much, but it's it's gaining some steam. Um, the the population control. I think people have a a, a misunderstanding of, of what population control is. And seeing as you you do work over in Africa and stuff, maybe you could elaborate on us, like what population is and what the purpose is all about. I mean, yeah. population control. Sorry. If Go I ahead. get what you're saying, a lot of when we start um, testing vaccines in Africa, um, one of the early rumors that will go around is that it's going to make people sterile, that that's what they're afraid of a vaccine would do. And that's what they think the intent of, of researchers is. And um, so, um, you know, and, and that's a fact. And, um, but with this COVID vaccine, um, it doesn't touch your re reproductive organs in any way. And so, um, there's really no evidence that um, the actual infection or the vaccine has any effect on your reproductive organs. Um, and there's no reason to think that it would. It's just this spike protein um, that, um, you know, attracts your immune cells and uh, you make antibodies and cell immunity and it doesn't touch your reproductive tract. So. Hmm. Yeah, be here. Mm. I had one more too. Uh, if... Go ahead, Ken. Oh, okay. Um, 
uh, you, and I believe you answered this during your um your presentation. Um, but just to be clear, uh, how how long do the antibodies last? When it once you so, get the vaccine. Well, that's a really good question, and we don't even know the answer to that yet because we haven't. We don't have people who were vaccinated for that long, and gotcha. so. Um, we are following that along and we know that antibodies last a couple months, um, but we don't know yet whether you can get long-term immunity, whether you would need a booster every year, all that is still um, right. a big question mark. We don't know that. We know that um, people after COVID seem to be protected for at least three months but we also don't know how long after you've had a natural infection that you're protected. And just in case people who have had COVID, it's still recommended that they get vaccinated. So you get this boost and it keeps them protected for a longer period. Okay, so so it may, it may become a thing where they might have to get one like maybe once a year, like the flu shot, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we really, you know, how this thing is ultimately gonna play out there's a lot we don't know. Right. Um, and it's, it's a battle between us and the, and the virus. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there's strong uh, um, opinion that if we can get a lot of people vaccinated, it's like building a fence around us when you say population. So if there's nobody susceptible that you can pass it on to, it's hope that the virus will um, die out. And that's the way, you know, you hear about like, there were lots of outbreaks of measles when vaccination rates went down. So there was a big move by the government to vaccinate broadly um, all over the world with measles. And we hardly ever see measles anymore. Um, and the same thing when the anti-vaxxers stopped vaccinating their kids, whooping cough came back because it was kind of at a low level. And then there were all these susceptible people and there was, were people that um, the, 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 that's a bacteria could infect. So, so when we all kind of join arms and get vaccinated, we can keep these infections out of our community. And that's what people call herd immunity. Um, and if it's long lasting immunity, then we, you know, we can eradicate, um, get rid of an infection. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And so it's it's a level of not being selfish. Um, that is the way we're gonna have to fight this thing. Yeah, selfishness will get you in trouble around here. Yeah, CK, go ahead and go to the um to the audience and uh, let's get some of their beautiful questions. See if they can stump the doctor. Let's see. Copy, copy. Um, before we get to the questions, I just want to make it known to uh, everyone in the audience, if you haven't by now, please make sure you take some time out your day to um, check out Brother Uncle Ket's store everywhere and also, you know, join the Pseudo Killers Discord server. Um, I'm actually going to make a separate channel with the Dr. Um, Kotloff's name. And it's going to have all of her uh, prestigious work that she's worked on in there, including this video tonight. All of it will be in there. So if y'all join that server tonight, I'm going to set that channel up tonight. That'll have all of the articles that she's participating in, her website that goes into her credentials for those people that may want to read it later on, and also the video tonight with um, us having her on the panel. 
And I just threw that link in the chat just now for the pseudo killers discord server. Anyone that joins it can send an invite to anyone. So if you miss that link, anyone that's already in there can invite you. So with that being said, we're going to move on to, uh, I'm going to start with the questions that Sean put in back first. I've been, me and, uh, me and uh, Juland has been trying to get everyone's questions as we go. Uh... See, some think, of these I kind of want to put together because we got some of the same questions. Yeah, I think we kind of answered some of the ones that Sean's had. You think I should skip those? Um, no, no. Maybe go to this one. This is probably an easy one, an easy yes or no one. Um, Dr. Kotloff, one of the questions that uh, Sean put in the uh, Zoom back chat was, can a gynecologist make an informed decision about vaccines versus a virologist? <laughs> You mean in terms of recommending whether people should get it or not? Mm, hey, take it however you want to take it. <laughs> I guess the same they could go for gynecologists, chiropractors, herbalists, <laughs> all of those kind of people. Can they um, tell their patients, can they make have, have them or help them make informed decisions about vaccine versus a virologist helping them make an informed decision? So, you know, I think that you learn in your life who you can trust, who, when, what they tell you pans out as the truth. Um, so, you know, you're not going to make this decision um, by going to, you know, Fauci every time, you know, you're, you're going to have to talk to your families. Um, you're going to have to talk to people who you trust and, and make judgments whether they seem to be informed enough that they're reading, that, you know, what they're saying makes sense. They seem like they know what they're talking about. Um, so, you know, I would say that, I mean, my bias is that maybe a medical doctor um, would know the most because that's what their training is. Whereas, you know, a chiropractor is more involved in, um, you know, moving your body in ways that make you feel better, which is a little bit different than learning about virology and medicines and things like that. So, you know, if I were to choose, I would probably pick my medical doctor over my chiropractor. Um, but, you know, you, you, you talk to who you trust and talk to different people, um, get different opinions and um, try to sort things out and read, you know, listen to the news. That's, that's all, they're also good ways to get scientific information. It's tough gotcha. though, I gotta say, you know, the internet, the internet is full of rumors and it's full of truth and the community is the same way. And it's really hard to, to get good information. Um, so the guys like this, I mean, I would go to, you know, the, the, the guys who are, are running and women who are running this, um, webinar because they're people who like to read and find scientific sources and talk to people and, and think about it. So find, you find people like that to listen to. Yeah, we up for the challenge too, Doc, all day, every day. It's a so war make sure around here. Get information. Mm -hmm. well, you we we need a war, Doc. I mean, they, I mean it's, it's hard. It's 
but you know, um, I, I think the um, the pandemic um, then brought out all kind of fears in the African American community, seeing the numbers spike in our community. I'm gonna say this: when the uh, pandemic first, uh, when we first start getting wind of it, I'm in Baltimore now. It was um, something started on Instagram saying that black, the black community, we didn't get COVID. It was something that only white people was getting. So at first we wasn't wearing masks, we wasn't wearing gloves, we but because it was a rumor, right? That we wasn't catching it. So um, it, it was a video of a white police officer. He had walked through a low rise, um, uh, project um, complex on east side of Baltimore and it was a crowd of people around and he started coughing and the crowd to disperse the crowd because you know everybody you know knew about COVID by then so he walked through the crowd and he started coughing in the crowd to get people to move and it was a young lady said um, well she was uh, using profanity but she told him we not worried about that that's something that only white people get Right, but it just shows how much misinformation. So things like that put our community behind in the first couple months. Right, we wasn't even taking the necessary precautions the first couple months because of so much misinformation. It wasn't until we start seeing uh, the uh, the news with um, refrigerator trucks and stuff in New York City that we finally started to say okay, well, maybe we need to take this serious. But the misinformation, like Corey said from the beginning, uh, how you say it, Corey? Uh, uh, a lie travels around the world twice before the truth get a chance to get out the bed and put his pants on. Mm -hmm. And that's what our community, like we're behind and we're, we're, we're playing catch up, right? In the middle of a pandemic and it's not good for us. That's why I feel as though our numbers uh, spike more than um, a lot of other communities is because of the misinformation. Can you speak to that? Yep. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. But remember what I had told y'all earlier this year when we first, when it first came up about um, that rumor that was starting in the black community, it made sense at the time because back in like February and March, yo, the majority of the people that were getting sick were usually Caucasian people. Most, most of them, yes, male. And it was people that was traveling. Most black people, they live in the hood. They don't make a whole lot of money, you know? And even if they do, they most likely don't have a passport. So mm -hmm. it took a long time. It took a good few months before it started to crop up in the black community. And then people had to start reversing it. They, they couldn't keep saying that old oh, black people couldn't get it anymore. Mm -hmm. You watched and you saw what happened and you took that information in and made informed decisions. And so that's how you figured it out. I mean, that, you know, so it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you know, I watch uh, politicians having, you know, New Year's parties with 500 people. Well, you know, they'll get, they're going to get COVID. There's going to be a, uh, an outbreak there, you know, and you kind of like, see parties like that and then you know two weeks later half the people are sick you start putting together your own facts as well um, gotcha. that's a, that's um a, well, let me i say was gonna say uh, okay, real fast ck so okay, gotcha. most black people don't live in the hood though i would like to say that 
And misinformation permeates through all communities. We just have a higher level of it in the black community period, just based off of uh, access to certain materials. Like most people aren't, aren't subscribed to the, to the journal, the New England Journal of Medicine or the Journal of Science, just based off of price alone. You know, people are not putting in that type of effort. And what I would like to say is uh, we got Mike, right? Now, Mike, you know, he wants to ask one of those trick questions. I call it a trick question, but I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to let you go. His question to you, Doc, is this. He said, how can we trust companies like Pritzker when they have paid out more than $4 billion in violations? This is Pfizer. Pfizer, Pfizer. yes, Pfizer. Yes. So, you know, I have, I have some distrust of big companies. I think, you know, people who um, have to gain um, financially, um, it makes you trust them a little bit less. And, and there are big companies that are making money from this, but they're being overseen by um, good people. I mean, I think, you know, the FDA um, is a very effective oversight um, organization that makes make sure that vaccines are manufactured to very, very high standards. And I watch this being involved in the trials. Whenever they have a doubt, they'll stop the trial. They won't let it start until the manufacturing is perfect from you know, soup to nuts. And so there's a lot of oversight and the companies have nothing to gain for putting out a bad product. They have everything to gain um, for putting out a good product. And I'm sure that there are good people in these companies, um, but you know, I think don't think that we can deny that a lot of people will also be benefit financially, and that's you know capitalism, I guess. That's what we have to put up with, um, and just hope that the the structure is in place to keep everybody honest. And I believe that in this case, it is. They make more money off the opioids than they do the vaccines. Uh, vaccines are just popular now based off of the pandemic. So vaccine business is not a good business to invest money in anyway. And I know you know that because you've been dealing with that area for a while, trying to get funding to Africa. Get, so that's not a, that's not like people think. So, you know, I just find that to be very interesting. Brother Vance, where you at? Man, you haven't asked a question yet, man. Where you at? It's a very, very good point. I just want to point that out because you get a vaccine once for the most part where companies make most of their money is drugs that you take your whole life because you have high blood pressure or something, you know, so they keep selling it and selling it and selling it to lots of people. And so it's been hard to keep companies in the vaccine business. And so that's a very good point. Yeah, my fault. I almost talked over you. You're the professional here. I got to let you go on that. <laughs> my fault. I apologize for that. Do, do you want to expound on that even more? Nope, that's good. You you really said it. Okay, I wasn't trying to, though. Goodness gracious. Vance, where you at? I'm right here. I'm right here. I don't forgot my question. It's been about 10 questions since I was... <laughs> I had it lined up. I swear I did, but... <laughs> Since I don't have a question, I would just say I appreciate you coming on and answering these questions because we don't get to do this often. It's mainly just the people on the panel battling pro uh, for vaccines, and it's good to hear a uh, fresh voice. But that's all. Hmm. Well, okay. thank you, Vance, and I'm happy, you know, to come back or 
I have other people, good people who I work with who can come. So feel free yeah, to reach need out. That. Send them all our way. Send them all our way. Right, right. Let them know it's a comfortable platform. How much time you got? I know we're running out of time, Doc. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, that's okay. I'm good. Okay, you're right, good. Um, okay, so I wanted to double check before I asked this question. I don't know if it was already asked. The one about the mRNA vaccines altering our DNA. Yes, was that yeah. one already asked? Yeah, she killed yes. them. She killed them with okay, it. She what about, about spike proteins? Yeah, because I was multitasking to the max. So I don't know if yeah. I over misheard it. Um, what about the one about the nurses? Uh, well, no, Corey asked yep. that. Never mind. Yep. Did um, that. Did um, did Doctor Kotlov get a chance to show her vaccine card if she got one? Considering my vaccine. Thing? What? Oh, my vaccine, vaccine card. card. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why they don't. Somebody might enjoy seeing it. Let me, let me go get it. Prove <laughs> it. You say free. She got the vaccine. <laughs> oh wow, that's. We really appreciate that. that though, hold up now. Those are really, Sean's questions want, now. None of these questions that. are mine. No, I don't think it's a band-aid, but it's, I don't think it showed up very well. Hey, you know we got a saying around here, Doc. It's called source up or shut up. Not saying that we would tell you to shut up, but they're not going to believe you, not unless you. Facts. <laughs> All right. Here, can you see it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got to come. Oh. Hey, but y'all got to stop talking. <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. Let's do it again and talk. That way your screen will come up. Go ahead. Okay, here you go. There's my vaccine card. And, and here's my appointment for my second dose. It's on February 2nd. Can you see it? Yeah, we That's can nice. see it. There you go. You won. It's, over. it's official. It's official. You get your second dose on my daughter's birthday, on my youngest daughter's birthday. You <laughs> <laughs> and I'm prepared that it, I might not feel so well after that second dose, but that's okay. Okay. All right. Well, we see you're not dead. So we're not, we're definitely not talking to a ghost or a spirit. So it didn't kill you. So and her we, face not right. twisted. She don't look like the Joker. My, my wife got her, her, uh, <laughs> my wife got her COVID shot the day before Christmas. Uh, oh, uh, wow. That's a she nice got the, She got the Pfizer. Um, she got the Pfizer shot. Let, let's talk about the Bell Palsy. So uh, we got people cracking. Uh, we we'll have to say that, man. We need to get everybody's question, and people are gonna feel like we're avoiding them. Yeah, oh, man, they're gonna say something. Because you gotta realize, Juju was taking questions before I got on the the panel, so yeah, it's but you those keep the ones. Sean questions, get it from the panel, Sean. He... I already got the ones from that Sean he put in the back chat. I'm getting the ones that Juju right, took. Go ahead, sis. Go ahead. I'm, these are the ones from the chat, mind you. All right, hold on. Make sure I'm in the right spot. Okay. Um. Thanks, Juju, for putting people's names on some of these because I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I was typing so quick, I didn't get y'all names for some of them. This one's from um, Wisdom Seeker University. She wants to know, does um, the vaccines that we that we have, I don't know if she's asking specifically for COVID vaccines or just vaccines in general. She wants to know, do they cause sterilization? I'm assuming preventing so, men or women from uh, reproducing, basically. There is no vaccine that I have ever, ever heard of that causes uh, people to be sterile. It doesn't, it just doesn't affect that part of your body. It's, it's you know, these vaccines target your immune cells um, and they don't, um, you know, attack your reproductive body parts. 
Gotcha. Um, here's the next one. This one's from um, Brother Truth Ministries. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Different, different truth. Uh, I'm going to come back to that one. Uh, this one, how many people will die from the, um, the vaccine for COVID versus people dying from COVID, the disease? Basically, they want to kind of like outweigh like what's worse, like, or more people are going to die from right. taking the vaccine or more people going to die from the actual um, COVID-19. So there's no, there's no comparison. We know the millions and millions of people who have died from COVID and no one has died from a COVID vaccine. And um, we don't have any reason to think that um, anybody will die from, from the COVID vaccine. There, gotcha. you know, maybe the most concerning reaction that I forgot to mention is that people are having allergic reactions, some people. So you can have an allergic reaction to any medicine, any food. The rate of allergic reactions to the COVID, to, to um, any vaccine is about one in a million doses. Um, there have been, a, you know, a handful of um, allergic reactions. And so um, is it higher than normal vaccines? It's hard to say yet. But what happens and what they did with me is that they watch you for 15 to 30 minutes after you get your vaccine and they're there to treat you if you have an allergic reaction. So that's taken care of. And, um, you know, it's not something that we really need to worry about. Gotcha. Um, that, that question was from uh, Brother Ogun. Um, TK, TK, I got uh -huh. a burning desire. You know the one we hear all the time? Watch this, Doc. Here's the great question. Well, since only, since 99% of the people, you know, get well, uh, you know, when they catch the coronavirus, then why are we worried about it? Why is that, Doc? So, so why should we worry about something that 99% of the people uh, recover from? Why should we worry about that? So I think I showed you in my first slide um, that there have been, um, 80 million cases and, um, you know, 1% turns into 1.7 million deaths. Mm. To me, that's 1.7 million too many deaths. So even though most people don't die, it's so contagious that a lot of people still die. Great Does that point. Make sense? Great point. They're still dying from other deaths. things, right? And they still dying from other things. So that's another hundred, what, another million something extra deaths on top of people already dying. Okay. Right. Well, and I, I just want to point out. 1.7 million deaths. If we could think, if we're talking about people, y'all. Like, I mean, take, take the number out of it. And you're talking about a hundred, I mean, a million, close to 2 million people. Dead. And I just want to add, Stefan, that our, our grandparents are the most vulnerable right. people. So, you know, I just want to add that. They will be the, the, the majority of that 1.7 million people. And the people in our families who have um, pre, pre uh, how you say it? Uh, Underlying existing conditions. Right. Yeah. Like diabetes. We had, my family is, is riddled with diabetes. So, yeah, you have, we, we have to take it serious. That's a great point. 
All you right, know, so we keep it moving. It's 20%. You know, the older you get, um, it's not 1% anymore who it died. It goes up to 20. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I think you already asked this question, but the way that it's framed, I'm going to ask it anyways, and I'm going a, I'm to a, a piggyback off of it, too. This one's from Richard Wright. He wants to know if COVID-19's genetic code is in the vaccine synthetic. But um, to my understanding, I was under the impression that they were using something in the vaccine that was shaped like the virus to help our body recognize the virus to make the proteins, to the antibodies, I mean, uh, to fight against it. Yeah, so in the messenger RNA vaccine, um, they, they take the genetic code of the virus and they use that to make the code for the spike protein. So it's not, that's not even the genetic code for the virus, that's the recipe for the spike protein. Um, and so that's what the messenger RNA is. In um, the ones that I said were made like AstraZeneca and Janssen, they're made um, from a cold virus that, that can't cause infection, it can't um, reproduce itself. Um, there's a, that, a little bit of genetic code for the spike protein is put into the virus. Um, and then the virus makes the spike protein and then it can't reproduce itself and it just dies off because viruses can't live forever. So, you know, even though, I mean, it's a little bit scary to think that, that this is somehow related to genetics, but it's not related in a way that um, it can leave genetic code or alter our genes. While she, while she, while we on the subject, because that's um another part of the question. Uh, what about nanoparticles? Can you break that down to us? Because there's a lot of people that really think it's uh robots. I don't think people know what it is or understand yeah, like the definition of what it is. Yeah, that's. It, it was one of the questions that was in the list, so I don't see why we can't go to it. Hey, again, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it, what you said. True. The nanoparticles. Oh, the nanoparticles. Um. So what are the nanoparticles? Um. The nanoparticles, so for example, the protein vaccines, they put a little bit of detergent in and then the, the spike proteins stick to it and they make like a fake virus. Um, and it just alerts your immune system more. Um, so it, it's really just a microscopic um, particle and scientists have learned um, how to um, kind of deliver the vaccine in these particles um, that really wakes up your immune system. Uh, and it has to do with putting them in these little um, uh, lipid envelopes and um, putting some detergent in so that they form these little particles. They like, you know, like it's like you're, when something's electrical, it sticks together. Yeah. It just, um, you know, comes off of this little bit of detergent. Um, it's easier if you see pictures of it. So it just makes these little formations that tickle your immune system more. And I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, oh, it's, so it's not a computer chip? Right. It ain't a computer chip? <laughs> People asking about the chips, cause you know, the conspiracy theories, they finna put the chips in the vaccine. They finna chip us up. They finna track us down. Mark of the beast, all that craziness. 
I mean, you know, when I'm when you're asking me questions and I just say no, you have to trust me. Um, but the answer to that is just a huge no. No computer chips. I mean, probably your cell phones. People are tracking you all over the place. That's where I would worry about it. Hey, you paying for it? You paying for that every month? You paying for the government to track you with your cell phone? But Absolutely. that's a whole nother. <laughs> we said that too. Oh man! All right, go ahead, CK. Gotcha. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I definitely lost my spot, but I'll figure it out. Um, I said I was gonna come back. I'm iffy about asking that one question, Drew. About what? Uh, iffy about because what? I don't, I don't think any of us have read anything on it. Any of us or the doctor? Well, I, it's most likely a conspiracy theory, and I don't like the way the question is framed. I'm gonna come back to it. That's gonna probably be the last one I ask. Uh. Okay, uh, this is a good one. Um, do do uh, do placebos that are, I guess they're talking about in like trials maybe do placebos cause harm or death? I think that's referring to like when they have like the trials and whatnot, and they're having a placebo and then the vaccine. And I guess they want to know: Do any of the placebos cause death? In those so most of the placebos are just salt water, just a little bit of salt water. You know, like half. Uh, it's half a milliliter, if you know what a milliliter is, there's three milliliters in a teaspoon. So it's a tiny bit of a teaspoon and it's salt water and it just doesn't do anything. Your body doesn't even, you know, pay any attention to that. In um, the AstraZeneca trial, they actually gave people, um, it's not a placebo, they gave them a, a vaccine to prevent meningitis. So you've got a benefit if you got the vac, you know, the COVID vaccine or the meningitis vaccine, which is a, a licensed vaccine. And it's given, you know, all over the world. So that's what they did. Um, but um, there's nothing harmful at all um, about vaccines. And so, I mean, the placebo, and sometimes it can even benefit you. Gotcha. Right. Um, I'm assuming that you already went over the differences between the, uh, the three main kind of vaccines that, that uh, we, all know about Pfizer, Moderna, yeah, um, Johnson and Johnson, AstraZeneca. Yeah, she, she already went over that. Presentation, did I you? did. Presentation. I'm happy if somebody. I missed here. like 20 minutes, Unc. Yeah, I was you driving. Presentation. You missed it. I ain't gonna lie. I was I was listening to another podcast. Uh, oh, what's CK? Let me let me listen. Let's 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 do this. So, I think what's important here is that we recognize that we're not going to get harmed when we take the vaccine. And it's more harm to catch the pathogen than get the vaccine. So we can be assured of that. Am I right, Doc? Yes, yes. And you can be assured, you know, those conspiracy theories, it's like it can just make you crazy and afraid. And you just gotta, you know, put a lid on that and, look and see that there are a lot of people who want this vaccine of all races and ethnicities and um, neighborhoods and jobs, um, you know, and so I think you just got to keep grounding yourself and, and, and um, you know, understand that we have a horrible thing that is a once in a lifetime event and 
what people want to do is stop it and and protect protect the population of the world. That's a that's a fact. Um, so I think you covered everything in your presentation, and okay. I appreciate how simple that presentation was. Um, was straight to the point. Um, okay. You want me to move on to the next questions? Only like four more you left. Can't hit, you can't hear me, CK, talking. No, I'm just saying I only got four more questions left. If you want me to keep going. Yeah, hold on one second. Anybody else want to ask something else? Because we up against the clock. Truth, Corey, Chef, Vance. No, I'm, uh, the I'm... doctor did pretty pretty well. I mean, answering all all my questions that I had, uh, and and even uh, questions that I didn't think of. So I, I really appreciate the doctor for uh, for coming through and, and being as informative as she has. Right. I'm glad she um she was able to uh, repeat a lot of the things we've been saying for the last couple months. So you know, our community and our listeners can see that. You know, we ain't just making this stuff up to disagree with y'all. Um, we actually, you know, are listening to the professionals and trying to give y'all the best information to protect yourselves and y'all family. So I'm glad the doctor was able to um, be in the echo chamber with us tonight and, and reiterate the things that we've been going over. We, we appreciate that. So we All right. kind of got the, the long term. So, so we went with the speed of the vaccine. I know she talked about the speed of the vaccine didn't you know, did, didn't mess up the safety of it. And did we talk about the long-term effects? And people keep saying, well, long-term effects. We don't know about the long-term effects. You know, that, that, that's like a question that goes on forever. We don't know about the long, long-term effects. But what, what do you say to that? Well, you know, I think it was you who asked about Bell's palsy. So I want to just give a perspective that before COVID or COVID vaccines were on earth, Bell's palsy occurs in our population. We all know people who have had it. And it occurs about, it's somewhere between 15 and 50 people out of every 100,000. And so you expect if you have, um, if you've vaccinated 30,000 people, you're gonna see five to six cases of Bell's palsy um, in that group of 30,000 people, even if they didn't get vaccine. So when you're giving large numbers of people vaccines, the things that occur, they're gonna be people who get cancer, who have heart attacks, who have strokes, who get hypertension, all the things that happen to us are going to happen at the same rate in, in people who got vaccine. And so it's important to know that in the US, there are a lot of systems in place to be um, where all kinds of reactions are being reported. And uh, people are comparing those who got vaccine and those who didn't, and looking very carefully to see if there are any conditions that occur more commonly in people who got vaccine. And um, those systems are in place and they will be in place for a long period of time. So even though most vaccine reactions occur soon after the vaccine in the first few weeks, um, people will continue to look for these. Um, we don't have long-term information yet because we've only been vaccinating people for a couple months. And so, you know, there's nothing to tell us that there are long-term reactions, but we're gonna keep looking to make sure they don't occur. 
You should also remember that um, the vaccine itself only stays in your body for days um, and then it's gone and it doesn't get incorporated into your, uh, into your genes and it doesn't hang out. So it's not gonna continue to affect you in any way. It just wakes up your immune system. Your immune system makes antibodies and, and um, other immunity. And then if, if you see the COVID um, virus, um, it fights it off. There is, however, um, there's a whole, they call them, I think, long-termers. There's a whole group of people who had COVID who are having long-term symptoms and, and there are clinics, people are trying to figure out what that's all about. So the infection itself um, can cause long-term effects, but we haven't seen anything yet with the vaccine, if we ever will. Okay, so you know what, Doc, I appreciate that. We don't want to hog up your time because I know you say you will come back through and get some of your colleagues to come back through. Let them know this is a safe space for science around here. We're science advocates, the pseudo killers, dedicated to finishing off the pseudos and the misinformation in the black community. For any community, uh, to be honest with you, any community that's, that's willing to learn about science, we're science advocates. We really appreciate you coming through. Uh, any last closing words you want to say, Doc? I mean, you guys are my heroes. You guys are just doing an incredible job for um, the community. And uh, I really, I thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful. Okay, well, make sure your colleagues know that because we need the professionals. We can only read with so many journals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We can only, you know, but, but to have that voice here, right? A couple books, Daily is Enemy. Uh, Michael Osterholm. All right, good read. Guy. You familiar with his work? I am. He's a great guy, and Peter Hotez is a great guy. Absolutely. So you you know we we actually had a vaccine debate in Harlem. This was before the pandemic came, and I just had an inkling to educate the community on vaccines. So the teams got up. We, we formulated our arguments and we debated the anti-vax community. This is before the pandemic came through. So it made me feel like, it made me look like, made us look like us look like a superstar because we was ahead of that curve. But look, we appreciate you coming through. Um, we're gonna, hey, hey, chef, you gotta stop the show because we done and you know, we'll do an after show. That's not what you though, Doc. We're gonna let you uh, get back to what you do, but make sure you go back and tell your colleagues just the spot to be, right? For those who- Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Doc. Appreciate you. Thank you, Doc. Uh, we really, we really appreciate you. Don't be a stranger, Doc. Uh, you know, uh, definitely reach out, and uh, we'll have you on the panel anytime. If you, if you get any re new uh, information or or, or uh, new research that you hear about, um, some, some cutting edge information or anything like that, please let us know because we we like to keep the community uh, informed and updated. I will. Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to participate in the Novavax study, um, get in touch with me and I can, um, you know, put your name in, in too. Um, you, want to you want to put that back up there again? That was a good one. Do you want to put that back up again? Yeah. Can I share my screen? Can you, it's important for us to participate in these because, you know, the Black community don't want to do that. I'm not participating in that. <laughs> I'm not being a guinea pig. I ain't gonna be. <laughs> no, sir. That's funny. 
Isn't that crazy how we don't want to participate in the studies to help them figure out how to help address our community, but then turn around and complain when the stuff don't work for us. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So this got messed up, um, but this is the, it's www.cvdtrials.org is the website. And then there's a text number and there's a phone number. The phone number is 410-706-7926. And if you want me to some, if you want me to send you my slides or whatever, I'm happy to do that. Yes, yeah, I need love them slides. Need them slides. Them slides is big. <laughs> oh man, I need them slides right there. <laughs> okay, I will send them right off to you right after this. Okay, okay. appreciate Thank that. Thank you, Doc. Make sure, sure. make sure y'all give it an email address that y'all wanted to send it to. Yeah, I'll yeah. send it to you. We'll get it. We'll get that straight. Good work. So how, will you email me and tell me who to send it to? Yes, I got. We all got your email address now, so we'll you know we'll make sure we. You send it one time, we can all get it. Got okay. It. That all sounds right. good. All right. Okay. All right, everybody, be safe. Take care. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure having you on. Appreciate you. Okay. Sido killers on deck. It's official. <laughs> okay. Bye right. bye. All right. All right. Hey, where, you, where you at? You got to end the stream. Yeah, we're going to end the show. We're going to start after, um, after showing part. about, I guess, 10 minutes. Yep, we All right. right up. I'm gonna get All it. Right, good see, show. Who, see who wanna get slick with it.